Welcome to Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm Lindsay, a copywriter and certified coach with nearly two decades of experience. I've seen it all in both the corporate world and in entrepreneurship, and I'm here to spark conversation about the things that matter most. Reprogramming is a podcast to help you shift perspective, consider new viewpoints, and challenge your old belief system around business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, empowerment, and more. If you are ready to reprogram your life for more success, fulfillment, and joy, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we're digging into the idea of niching down in your business, a topic that can be surprisingly taboo, depending on who you ask. Some feel strongly for it and others strongly against it. And of course, here at Reprogramming, we believe the right answer is the ideal one for you, your business, and your lifestyle. I think you're going to love today's conversation with Kate Meller. Kate is a pet industry copywriter and marketing messaging strategist with a background in both corporate marketing and sales and pet industry and animal welfare management, mixing what she thought she was supposed to do post-college with what she actually wanted to do, which is basically why this podcast exists, because we are big believers of that. She's taken her unique combo of experiences and carved out the perfect niche for herself within the pet industry and has worked with some of the biggest pet brands you definitely know, ranging from pet industry-specific marketing agencies to pet DNA companies, pet TV channels, pet business coaches, which I have a lot of questions about, and more. Kate and I met in a copywriting program where we landed in Copy Crew 5, which I am proud to say is still alive and well and always ready for a late night Zoom chat over wine. So quick shout out to the other founding member of Copy Crew, Fly, Copy Crew 5, Kristen, and of course, OG, Angie. Angie, we're always thinking of you. <laughs> Angie <laughs> peaced out of Copy Crew 5, but Angie, you're always in our hearts. And Kate, thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that awesome intro. Um, Copy Crew 5 for life. Forever. I love our late night Zoom chats. I, I look forward to them. So thank you so much for having me here. I'm so happy to have you. My only complaint is we don't do it enough and no. we definitely need to work on that. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So Kate, I know a little bit about your past and how you've built your business, but would you tell us a little more about yourself, where you're from and how you became a pet industry copywriter? Yes, definitely. Um, so I was born and raised in Philly, um, which is funny because I, you would think I would come off a little bit tougher <laughs> given where <laughs> I was born. Um, big Philly sports fan. Um, we're mostly a hockey family, but of course we will bandwagon on any and all Philly sports <laughs> teams when given the opportunity, even though there's lots of heartbreak involved. Um, relatable, so yes. relatable. <laughs> yeah. But my husband and I, we actually moved to South Jersey. So right over the bridge a few years ago, um, just to raise our family, we have two kids, um, and three dogs, of course. Wow. Yes. Um, we met in college, so we, we both attended Westchester University in Pennsylvania. And yeah, that's where I got my marketing and creative writing degree. Um, so as you mentioned, after college, I went on to do all the things I thought I should do with that degree and get into 
some corporate type marketing jobs, um, some which were probably a stretch as far as being related to my actual degrees. My first job out of school was uh, a sales manager for a an environmental data company, which like looking back on that, I'm like, wow, that was like a fake it till you make it moment for me. Like <laughs> I was like 23, 24 years old. Like what the heck did I know about that? And here I was like selling this software, um, but I learned a ton and I traveled a lot and that was kind of cool only on the East coast. But um, from there, yeah, I went to work in marketing for a national radio station. Um, I was their marketing assistant for a while. And then I moved on to another job as the fundraising and events manager for a big donut, national donut chain, <laughs> which um, yes, I did get lots of free donuts. <laughs> One of the perks of that job. Thank God for that. Yeah. Um, and then somewhere along the way, somewhere in there, I actually just started volunteering at the local shelter. Um, always been a dog lover. Like we've always been a big dog family, had multiple pets all through my childhood. And I don't know why, like it was just on a whim. I signed up to be a volunteer and start walking dogs at the local shelter in Philly. And I did it. This was pre-kids. So I was there like often after work, multiple times, I would say like four times a week, I went to just walk shelter dogs who have been like cooped up all day in their kennels and like need it human interaction. Um, and I really like, I just fell in love with the rescue world, but it was just like my hobby at the time. Um, so I was laid off from my fundraising and events manager job. And my husband and I had just got married <laughs> like literally three months before that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just like in a rut, not knowing what I wanted to do next, um, was on unemployment and going to the shelter and walking dogs in my, uh, you know, all the newfound free time that I had and applying for, a, you know, a, the next corporate marketing job or whatever that looks like. And I can actually credit my sister who um, she had started walking dogs with me, too. And we it was like a hobby we shared together. And one day she was just kind of like, Hey, you really love this rescue animal thing. Like, why don't you try and make that your job? And I was like, huh, maybe I should. <laughs> um, so I, I messaged a friend I had made while volunteering at the shelter and she owned a dog daycare and boarding facility and like a small retail shop. Um, she was kind of like dabbling in rescue. So she was like pulling dogs from the shelter that needed placement and housing them at her, um, dog boarding facility until she could find them a home. And it was like nothing official, but you know, she was like doing her part, like doing what she could. And I messaged her and was like, Hey, I'm just hanging out. I don't have a job. Do you want me to come walk some dogs for you at your daycare? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. So it all kind of like naturally evolved from there as far as like how I got into the pet industry. Um, I was definitely overqualified to just be like a dog walker there. <laughs> and like, I didn't pay all that college tuition just to walk dogs, but she quickly like realized my potential and was able to like, uh, I was able to take a lot off her plate in her business um, and like kind of quickly became just her go to general manager there. Um, we ended up like expanding her retail space into a bigger store where we also then had an adoption center and we filed for a 501 3C. We became an official like nonprofit rescue. So we had the business and then kind of the sister nonprofit to that. 
um, and her business donated the space for us to be able to house these dogs. And I was managing both. So doing some retail, doing managing um, the daycare and the boarding facility. They had groomers there. So helping to manage their schedules and book grooming appointments and a little bit of everything. And then managing the rescue, which is like a whole other beast. <laughs> I will say managing an animal rescue is, is yeah. not easy. Um, you know, as far as like, uh, just so many hats, like wearing so many hats, doing all of the promotional stuff and then processing the adoptions and the applications and the disgruntled people who wanted this dog and that dog and didn't get it. And having to tell people why maybe we had to turn down an application and also taking care of the dogs. So walking the dogs, feeding the dogs, we were, um, we, well, they still exist, but so they are still active. Um, but it was very much focused on play. So we ran play groups every day. Um, so those needed to be managed, obviously, you know, putting a bunch of dogs together in one space and we needed to make sure they were being monitored, which I, um, played a big part in too. So yeah, I, that was how I got into the pet industry and I stayed with that job for almost eight years, about seven and a half years, I guess. Um, in the meantime, we started building a family. <laughs> so I had my daughter, it was a long commute. Um, I know I don't have to tell you or probably much of your audience about the struggles of childcare and how much daycare costs and all that. So we made it work with my first form. Um, I still commuted there. I changed my schedule a little bit, but I kind of knew in the long term, like we definitely wanted her to have a sibling. We were planning to move to Jersey because much of our family lives in Jersey and we wanted to be, stay close to them. And um, yeah, I... So I got pregnant with my son, my second born. And on top of that, I like did not want to do another pregnancy there because it was just so hard much work. physical work. Yeah, it was really, really hard the first time. And so I kind of knew um, that wasn't something I wanted to keep doing with my second pregnancy. But in the meantime, I had started doing some online business work um, just on the side, just to dabble and see what it was about. And it was really like proof of concept. like could I make this my job? What does that look like? Of course, bringing it to my husband and being like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. And I don't know if it's going to work, but I, here I am. And he was kind of like, cool, roll with it, see where it goes. And um, so I did. And I had my first client was a photographer. Um, and like my first recurring client, I should say, I did lots of side projects, I kind of built up a small little side business. And when I got pregnant again, my husband was actually the one that was like, so are you going to take this thing full time or what? <laughs> and um, I was terrified, but I, I, his vote of confidence in me was definitely, uh, it definitely helped. So yeah, I gave my notice at the rescue and the, and my pet industry job. I gave like eight weeks notice because, <laughs> because like I said, like I played a really big role, day-to-day -day role there. So I knew that they would need to figure that out. They would need to work out the logistics of that. Um, and yeah, that's how I came to be a copywriter. <laughs> At that point, was it still just you and the owner of the business? No, she, um, we, we had a team and a lot of it was, uh, like the girls or I'm sorry, the people working in the, um, in the daycare were like a lot of college aged people. And, she had some other managers. She, like I said, she had two groomers on staff. She also is very involved in the day-to-day. -day. She actually has two locations now, like two retail locations. 
So she was kind of bouncing back, you know, between the two. Um, But yeah, there was definitely some stuff that I had to pass off and she had to definitely give some of her other staff like more responsibility that I was usually, you know, taking charge of for her. I love what I love about your story is you left college, graduated, and then you went along this path that, you know, I'm sure as you were going through, you're like, what am I doing? What should I be doing next? But all of those things added up to what you were doing in that job for eight years, like starting a nonprofit, like because you had some experience doing that and um, really setting up your client for to expand her business in such a huge way. All of those parts of your history kind of played into being able to support her on so many different levels, which I think is really cool. So once you decided to take the gig full-time as a pet industry copywriter, how did you know and when did you know that this niche would, you know, have enough opportunity to grow? Like how did, was there ever a point where you thought, oh yeah, there's plenty of work here? I don't think for a long time, no, I didn't feel that way. Um, I think surrounding niching, like you're, a lot of people are afraid to leave money on the table. And I will say that I didn't call myself a pet industry copywriter probably for the first year and a half that I was like officially in business. Um, it actually wasn't until we were in the copywriter club accelerator mm-hmm. and I was going through all the modules of that, that I was kind of like, what am I doing? Like, this feels obvious. Like, as I was writing it all out, I was like, this feels so obvious. Why have I not done this yet? Um, And I think the the leaving money on the table is a big struggle for a lot of people who are considering niching. But I don't think you should look at it that way. Like, I think once you get really clear on who you're serving, the money just kind of comes naturally in many cases, I won't say all the time. I, I, and again, this is just my experience with it. So I already had a few pet industry clients when I decided to officially go all in on, okay, I'm going to market myself as a pet industry copywriter. And when I looked at like, who was on my client roster, I was like, I'm already doing, I'm already doing it. (laughs) Why am I so hesitant? These people are coming to me naturally because when I speak to them, they know that, I can serve their audience that I know how to speak to their audience. And then I'm, I'm landing that job. Like, so it, it all just makes sense. So yeah, I will say like, I, I didn't commit right away. I I was definitely afraid to do it. Um, but I think that my business has been able to thrive more since I went all in. I love, I love to hear that. And I love that you had that clarity and you already, could look at yourself and say, I'm already doing this. I feel like that's so rare. I mean, yes, maybe- list out your clients and see who you're <laughs> serving. Like, why didn't I do that sooner? <laughs> then, you li- then you list out mine and you're like, oh yeah, there's no pattern here. Um, and that's okay too. Though. That's, that's also big. okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so how is niching so specifically shaped your business? And also what is it like to work with clients very deeply in one industry? So I think because I worked with like pet owners for such a long time, like pet owners, whether they were clients of the boarding daycare facility, whether they were just shopping in our retail store and had questions for me, whether it was coaching an adopter through like a different scenario with their rescue dog, or it was their first dog ever. And they needed a lot of direction. Like I kind of became 
and still am like the go-to dog lady, I guess, to a lot of people. Like I, I'm the person you wouldn't like think twice about sending a picture of your dog's poop to. <laughs> like, oh, that is talent. That's talent. Yeah, I've seen a lot of shit, Lindsay. <laughs> Well, that takes, that takes a special, that's a special person right there to do that. <laughs> so my hat's off to you. Yes. Yeah, so often no warning before the text, the <laughs> photo comes through. The anyway. Yeah. So, and like, even beyond that, even beyond like the questions, what should I feed my dog? Or how do you train a puppy to do X, Y, or Z? Which again, I'm no expert on, like, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a vet, but it, like, I, I was working with animals directly every day and like, I knew the ins and outs and a lot of it wasn't even just surface level stuff. Like there's, there's really emotionally charged situations too, when it comes to pets, like not only are they like, do a lot of people consider their pets family, but there's things like pet loss and a dog bite and how to manage that and having to rehome your animal, which, which a lot of people like kind of frown on people Mm -hmm. for, but sometimes there are life scenarios that are beyond people's control. And it doesn't mean they love their pet any less. Right. And so like, I just have this, like, I think maybe deeper level understanding of how much people love their pets and that most people are genuinely trying to do what's best for them. Um, but they're not always like, we're not experts in everything. So you can love your pet and you can want what's best for your pet, but that's, that doesn't mean you're going to be an expert on all topics about your pet. Um, and when I think when I worked in rescue, I really like felt a sense of purpose around helping people do what was best for their pets and sometimes their families in the long run. Um, and so when I left that job, I almost had like a sense of guilt Mm. that I wasn't like immersed in that anymore. Yeah. Like I felt a disconnect because I mean, yeah, like I was on call all the time for that kind of stuff. And this again was pre-kids. So I was able to be, but, um, yeah. So deciding to niche in the pet industry almost kind of helped me fill that void that I was missing after leaving that. And of course, other things helped me fill that too. I was growing a family. I was, you know, moving to a nicer neighborhood with my husband and we were, you know, pursuing the life that we want. So, so of course all of those things filled the void, but I still was like missing that part of my life because it was a big part of my life for so long. So I think that niching for me made sense. And it's like, I, I can do those things, but in a very, very different way, it's actually much more chill than managing the day-to-day of an animal rescue, um, which was sometimes very intense and it makes more sense for my season of life. And like, ultimately I'm, I'm pretty grateful that I found a way to do that and like feel that sense of fulfillment again, um, in my career. And then like business-wise too, it also made sense. So it helped me really maintain focus and hone in on the clients and the brands that I like really want to work with and not waste my time with anything else. Um, like for example, I will admit I like slack on cold pitches as I'm sure much of us do. <laughs> Many of us do. Avoid but, it. Um, cross, yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm not at all consistent, but when I do sit down to think like, okay, I want to pit, I want to send a cold pitch. Like I have a very specific list of people that I want to work with. So I'm not like floundering all over the internet, trying to figure out <laughs> who I should send that pitch to. And I have my reasons for wanting to work with them. 
And like last week, I, I sat down and out of the blue, just decided, hey, right before I get to work, I'm going to send a quick pitch. And it was some, a client that was, or a potential client that was on my mind. Um, and I sent an email and they got back to me right away. Same day, sent me an email back. And we had some correspondence and we have a call scheduled for next week. And I feel like if my email hadn't been so specific about like what I knew about the pet industry and why I wanted to work with them, it may have been overlooked but I kind of almost had that advantage. And I don't know, it's also just like cool to have those like clear standards for brands that I feel passionately about and that I want to work with and the ones that I don't. It sounds like it takes just so much of the guesswork and the drama out of yes. <laughs> who you want to work with, who, you know, who you can best serve. I love that. There's a lot to unpack there. The first thing I that jumped out to me is this emotional piece that whether you're in the pet industry or some other industry that we don't talk about as much as I think we should. Um, obviously with pets, like you said, they're part of your family and or I love how you brought about the topic of, you know, how um, fulfilling it was for you to to serve in that role as almost like a liaison between families and rescues. And, and you felt this really important um, pull to serve in that way. And then when you left the rescue, you felt like you were missing that and being able to apply that in your work and really personalize what you're doing. Um, I can imagine that that was, that's really, um, satisfying for you. Yeah, definitely like full circle moment when I could kind of connect those dots. And I I was definitely a little disconnected from that and like trying to find ways to almost do both. Like how do I volunteer with rescue, which maybe I don't have as much time to do now because I'm raising two kids and just being able to like, be like, I'm I'm allowed to get paid to help people too. (laughs) That was another big like mindset shift. Like just because it's rescue, like, obviously I will always support rescues in the way that I can, as far as volunteering my time and my money. Um, but like on the other flip side of things, like I'm allowed to serve the pet industry with my skills that I've worked so long to build and I'm allowed to get paid for that. And it's still a service to the pet industry. And it's still a service to whether it's pet owners or like pet business owners who are trying to get their products out into the world to support pet owners and pets everywhere. So like, I don't know, I think kind of connecting the dots and make like realizing that those two things are not almost mutually exclusive, like it can be combined, a combined effort. Um, yeah, was definitely a big, big realization for me. It's such an important piece that I think we struggle with because especially if you're in what many would consider to be like a cool or a fun industry, like pets. Um, I think we have a harder time, like being okay with like being paid for our knowledge and for our expertise and for the connection Mm -hmm. that we bring. And so I'm glad you said that. Um, The other part that stuck out to me, and of course I relate to this in every way is talking about the chapter that you're in, in your life right now as a mom with two little kids and you know, how you had to adapt what you wanted to do and what you were good at doing with the life that you were building. And so I'm curious if I mean, and maybe this is incorporated into that and maybe there's something else too, but what are some of the obstacles you've navigated while building your business, especially during this chapter of your life? I think my obstacles are probably similar to many other like online business owners or entrepreneurs. Um, 
And I think, like I mentioned, realizing that I'm allowed to be paid for my skills, even if I'm helping an industry that I feel passionately about, like that was just kind of imposter syndrome, you know, same old imposter head trash holding me back, thinking that I wasn't qualified or what I was offering wasn't of value um, enough to be paid for it. And yeah, just all the, all the average things, finding new clients, saying goodbye to clients that maybe aren't a fit for me, um, consistent revenue months childcare, <laughs> dear Lord, childcare always. God, we um, need a whole, we, I'm going to have a panel. I think that's it. I'm having a panel of mom entrepreneurs and we're going to just, yes. uh, we're just going to hash it out. The childcare thing. Cause damn. I'm so in childcare, <laughs> si- you know, sick days, all the, the unexpected, um, things that pop up in your schedule as a result of raising kids, yeah. um, being the, parent who's at home more often and trying to run my business and not lose my mind at the same time, finding more hours in a day to do both of those things. Um, I think confidence was a big one for me. And I do think that niching has given me more confidence because I, I feel confident about the subject matter that I'm writing about. Um, yeah, like the stuff, entrepreneurship is just hard and I wouldn't, I would never trade it for anything. (laughs) I really wouldn't. Um, even to go back to my old job, as much as I loved it and missed it, like I, I reached a point where I knew that I was in, I was doing the right thing for myself and my career, like where I am right now, um, which I didn't have for a little while while I was doing it. I had to kind of fake it till I made it <laughs> and that's okay. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I don't know. I, it's just hard. All of it's very, very hard, but I'm glad I ended up exactly where I am. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't have said it better. It's hard, but rewarding at the same time. And I, I'm glad you touched on how it built your confidence because I can only imagine when you're really immersed in the subject matter all of the time, it just comes so much more naturally. And you can have these natural conversations with clients and would-be clients, and they know that you, you know, your stuff, not to mention you're a pet owner yourself, which, you know, there's <laughs> that special connection there. Right. So so did you ever question that decision to niche so specifically, or did you ever, did you ever have moments where you're like, maybe clients weren't coming in or you thought, oh, maybe I'm also interested in this. Did you ever deal with anything like that? Definitely. Um, I mean, like I already mentioned for the first year and a half of my business, I didn't even deem myself <laughs> a pet industry copywriter. Um, and that was all because I questioned whether niching was right. Like I didn't want to box myself in and I had people telling me that, you know, being a generalist copywriter was the way to go and kind of almost making me second guess myself, like, and what I in the back of my head knew would work for me. Um, so I think I questioned it for a while. I, and when I finally committed, I kind of gave myself a rule of you're going to do this for six months. Like you're going to call yourself the pet industry copywriter. You're going to market to pet industry you know, professionals, and you're just going to see how it goes. And like I said, I already had a couple on my roster, so it made sense to do it. And after six months, if it's not working, then I can revisit this and figure out something else that might work or figure out where this fits in the grand scheme of my business. Um, and yes, I definitely, I lost clients along the way for sure. And I had moments of doubt, but I also think they were moments of doubt that I would have had regardless of my niche. Like, I don't think they were specific to my niche necessarily. Um, I think they're just part of part of the game. Like, I think it's just part of being a business owner 
Um, but I mean, I got referrals that that's been a big thing in my business because I am able to establish myself as someone who knows the industry so well. So my clients tell other people about me and I've gotten jobs that way. Um, so I think as time went on beyond those six months and now like in hindsight, I'm like, man, I, I should have made it the year. Like what is six months going to do in the grand? <laughs> like we all know how quickly that flies by it <laughs> as does, a business but owner. The fact that you gave yourself permission to experiment, which is another thing that we have learned on our journey is that it's okay to treat everything as an experiment and see how it pans out. And if in six months or a year, it, it isn't working the way you thought it would, or you're not enjoying it. It's okay to pivot. Even if you labeled yourself the pet industry copywriter, and then next year you're writing about cleaning products. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. No one cares. (laughs) But so I love that you were able to give yourself that permission. And I think six months is a good amount of time to try. It's decent, but I think regardless, as time went on, like I, it proved to be a success for me ultimately, like overall, I will say. And I think that, um, even beyond the six months, I just started to question it less and less. And to be quite honest, like I haven't thought or questioned it in quite a while. Like I've, I've kind of arrived at this place of like, this is what I'm doing. And, and I'm still open to the idea that maybe someday I won't be just a pet industry copywriter. And that's okay, but I'm not there yet. And like, if I get there, I get there and we'll, we'll kind of take that as it comes if I decide to make that decision. But I, the kind of, I kind of have that power to decide because even outside of the pet industry, I still have copywriting and marketing skills that could apply to any industry. It doesn't take away the skills that I've been working to build. So true. So true. Okay. I have to ask a provocative question (laughs) that I did not put on your list. So get ready. (laughs) if you feel comfortable, I'm sure everybody wants to know as a, as a, in any industry, a specific copywriter, do you ever get bored? Um, you know what? I actually thought about this question before you even asked it, even though it wasn't (laughs) on my list because I like, it crossed my mind when I was just thinking about niching, because I think that is a worry that I see from a lot of people asking that question. Am I going to get bored writing about the same stuff all the time? And yes, I've had some overlap as far as topics for sure, Um, especially blog writing and depending on the company. But I will say that like my client roster is actually, each client is very different from the next, Um, which I don't even think I expect it completely. Like when you read the list of companies that I've worked with, it's been B2B, B2C, um, the veterinary space, the nonprofit space, the coaching space, like all these clients are so different that there's actually less overlap than you would think. And I can confidently lean toward no. I personally have not gotten bored with my writing projects as a result. This, the, I never would think about the diversity of clients as something that in itself will keep things fresh. Like you, you know, you tend, like you said, you tend to think, of uh, creatives that feel like, oh no, am I going to be boxed in? Am I going to be bored? But thinking about all the different realms your clients can come from can make it j- almost like you are in different industries and writing in for different in different mediums and and such. Um, this is the perfect time for me to return to what the heck is a pet business coach? I need to know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's honestly, it's just that like it's the same 
teaching the same like kind of marketing concepts. Um, the coach that I've worked with specifically is a former retailer, former daycare boarding um, business owner. Um, I think she may have owned a grooming salon as well. So she can actually coach those like brick and mortar type businesses into, um, yeah, she does a lot of marketing coaching. Um, she kind of does all of, like all of the coaching, like inventory, marketing, pretty much every side of the business you could think of. She has experience in it She because she um, worked in those businesses and then sold them for a profit. So which wow. is like a really, really big accomplishment in the pet industry. So um, she kind of works with like the small mom and pop shops and, and they, they see so much success from her guidance. That is so cool. And of course the child in me, it pictures a dog, like I'm a dog that needs coaching. I mean, like I'm a child, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's not a dog trainer, but <laughs> but she does have dog trainer trainers who are her clients and she helps them with the business side of things. Yeah. Well, I think it's so cool that she's had success and other businesses have had success with her guidance. What a cool concept. Okay. So as you were building your business, were there any habits or belief systems or outside factors that you had to confront or reprogram on your journey? I'd love to know about them. Um, yes, I think like niching is such a hot topic and I mean, yeah, you mentioned that it's kind of a hot topic and like, you can let me know if you've seen this, but I feel like um, whenever I see it discussed in, on the internet, people have such strong feelings about it one way or another. And it's this like ongoing battle, but almost to the point that people get a little testy. Right? Oh, I know. I, and you and wouldn't defensive. Think, you wouldn't think that something like that could, <laughs> could get people all worked up, but it's true. Fired up. Seen it. yes. seen it. It's like, you have to niche to be successful or you must be a generalist or you're leaving money on the table and, and they'll go back and forth and argue with one another. And I feel like their, their viewpoint is obviously going to be based on their own success or maybe something that didn't work for them along the way. And I just don't think that you could be a hundred percent right or wrong to tell someone that, like, I, I don't think there's just too many nuances there's too many personal things going on in people's lives. You don't know their business. Only they know their business. So to feel confident enough to give someone advice to to niche or not niche, um, it just feels crazy to me. And I think all we can really do is share our experiences with one another. And they're just that. They're just our experiences. I don't think they can necessarily be conclusive for anyone else because there's there's just way too much to consider behind the scenes. Um, so I think that was something that I had to get over, like not just reading someone's opinion of it and being like, oh, wow, that's that's a good point. And it was kind of like bouncing back and forth in my head. Um, and like I said, I think I got a lot of clarity from being in the think tank and I'm working through some exercises personally. Um, and there's just all this uncertainty about leaving money on the table, but if you decide to focus on a specific industry or only offer a specific product, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily leaving money on the table. I think I had to get over the, that idea that I would risk losing money by trying this. And then once I got over that, my choice was like officially made. Like I'm not losing money. I'm committing to something that could potentially make me more money in the long run. Did you feel a sense of relief when you made that commitment? No, I think I was still really, really <laughs> terrified. Um, 
not in the moment. Uh, um, I'm relieved now that I, that I kind of powered through that, that moment of like self-doubt or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, at the time though, no, it was like, I hope, I hope this is right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I appreciate the candor there because I, you know, I, I always wonder if when, when, you know, and it seemed like everything was lining up for you to get to that place. If you felt like, Oh, yes, I, I, I'm here. Like I've made this decision. I don't have to wonder about it anymore. I do think I'm, I'm a pretty logical person. And I do think there was a lot of logic involved, but for some reason it still felt like this leap of faith in a way. Um, which is funny because I am like, you know, you list out the logic and it's like, okay, this makes sense. But yeah, to, to actually commit to it was a, a different thing. <laughs> it is. It's that internal mindset stuff that can get in our way. Okay. So if you had to leave the audience with one perspective to consider in their own lives or businesses based on what you've been through, what would, what would that be? Um, I think taking into consideration all of your own, your own business journey, your own life, all of the different things that you want to consider, all the goals that you have, taking all of that and then asking yourself, what would you try if you knew you could change your mind? Because you can change your mind. <laughs> um, once you commit, like you can go back, you can do something else. And I know it's not as simple as that, but you can. And I think even if you choose to try something somewhere along the line, you are going to have to change something anyway. So why not give it a try if you feel like you're being pulled um, towards something and it makes some sort of logical sense to you? Because I think so many people are afraid of niching because of the full commitment. And maybe that other companies or other um, potential clients won't approach them to work with them if they if they market themselves as a particular type of copywriter or online business owner. And like one, they might not, but just like we tell our own clients, like you, you do want to weed out the people who aren't the right fit for you. Um, so niching is ultimately just a commitment to a more specific audience. And if you are doing it right, then you might not get approached by someone else. Right. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. Um, but number two, it's not even always true. I think depending on what you're offering, um, you will still get approached by people outside your niche who want to work with you. And, and I, I have before, and I think that it almost gives you this freedom to um, pick and choose like the projects that you want to take on or the clients that you want to take on, because people are still going to recognize you for your general skills. And maybe what you talk about on your social media or what you're saying on your website, like you can still resonate with other people. And I think that factor is going to make, if you ever do decide to change your mind, that's what you're going to lean heavily into. Um, you can always fall back on that. You have your general skills. You have the people who you're going to naturally connect to. And when you take that outside of the niche, you're going to be able to do whatever you want or go wherever you want to go. But you can change your mind. You can reinvent yourself. You can pretty much like everything else in business. You can change things. You can change your offerings and your contracts and the way ways that people can find you or, or interact with you on the internet. And it's just something else in your business that you have control over and you can change. So if niching isn't what you feel called to, like, that's okay too. You don't have to believe this online hype <laughs> that that one way is 100% right versus the other way. It's, it's just, in my mind, it is not true. And you can kind of just evaluate what you're feeling called toward, why you're feeling called toward it, if it makes sense for you 
based on your unique business and the way the way you measure success, um, then then you can make like a decision based on that. And you, only you are going to be able to do that because only you know the ins and outs of your business and your life. Thank you so much for that. I that was supposed to be our last question because what I, I have another <laughs> question that came up for me that I know other people will wonder about too. And I would just love your take on this. Uh, if you've uh, experienced it either while you were working already or like before you started, did you ever worry about saturation in the market in terms of uh, other copywriters in the pet industry or other marketers that, you know, did you feel a sort like a sense of competition or worry about that? Um, I, I have, I do think that's, and this, I don't know every other industry, like I know the pet industry, uh, I think it was like a little bit of a mind block that I had to get over the pet industry. I just recently came across like the, the new numbers. It's like a 30, I want, I'm going to guess here. I think it's like a $35 billion industry. Wow. I mean, there are pet industry companies I have not found <laughs> and plenty of them. Um, so yes, because I feel like I'm so niche specific that I have like stumbled upon other others that are niche specific as well. And at first you want to like kind of put up your guard and be like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Um, but I've let go of a lot of that. Like, I just think there, there's enough work to go around for everyone. I really, really do think that. And like I said, there were kind of the, these like subcategories within the, the grand niche of the pen industry that mm -hmm. I'm kind of un uncovering as I go along. So with that in the back of my mind, and also just with, I, I actually am in community with these people now. Like I am in, um, it's called the pet industry networking group. And we are a group of pet industry service providers. And we, sometimes we collaborate on things and sometimes we refer business to each other. And so, like, it's just, um, I think we're kind of building a, a more community over competition type of environment within the pen industry. And that's really, really comforting as well. Um, so I would hope that the same is going on in other industries, because I think that we're all building unique businesses and we can all bring our strengths to different clients in different ways. And we don't necessarily always have to view each other as competition. That's wonderful. I think that you're right. I hope that that becomes the standard for any industry um, because community is everything. And I feel like we can do nothing but support each other and lift each other up and share ideas and even collaborate. I think that that should be the model. That's just yes, opinion. Fingers crossed. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Kate, feel free to share what's next for you. What are you working on and how can people find you if they want to connect? And of course, we'll link everything in the show notes too. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to be releasing some digital products by the end of probably the end of this summer. So um, if you're interested in checking out those, or if you're interested in any of my copywriting services, you can find my website at katemellerwrites.com. Um, on social media, I mostly hang out on Instagram and my handle is at katemellerwrites. Wonderful. Perfect. Well, I thank you so much for being here today and sharing all your expertise, not only in the pet industry, but niching and building a business around that. I just think so many people are going to relate to what you had to say. And you've also uh, shined a light on a lot of the things that we've all been w wondering about and worrying about. So thank you for sharing thank your story. You. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. <laughs> I appreciate it. 
thanks for joining me on this episode of Reprogramming. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope we'll see you here next time. I would love if you can share this episode with your social network. Please tag me at ReprogrammingPod or at the Lindsay Hyatt on Instagram. And as always, I so appreciate your reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and would be honored if you shared it with anyone who you think would benefit from this episode. 